This is the finale of the Sitting and Suffering series, and it's evidence of two things, that God has a sense of humor and that he's after abundantly more than we could ask or imagine. I didn't set out to do this series. In fact, I was at the tail end of finishing out the healing series, an epic 51-episode adventure through the topic of healing. And so when God prompted this idea of a series focused on suffering, I was a little resistant. However, I've come to know that when God gives an invitation, he typically knows a little more than we do, and he's probably about to do something beautiful. So whereas I would have taken that first conversation with Lauren and held it for another time, I said yes to God's invitation to spend a season exploring the idea of suffering. But what I said to God was this, okay, I'm willing to do this as long as it doesn't have as many episodes as the healing series. The healing series had 51 episodes. The suffering series will have 52. God has a sense of humor. But it has been an amazing journey and for me, an ongoing demonstration that God is after abundantly more than we could ask or imagine. But this episode in particular shows that reality. You're about to get the privilege of hearing a story that very few have heard because it is not an easy story to tell. Today's guest is incredibly special to me because it is my wife. And for reasons that you will hear, I never anticipated that she would be on this series. However, shortly after starting, I remember having this small sense that maybe God would do just that. What I knew though, because of the nature of her story and other elements, is that it would take a move of the spirit to bring that together. And one morning, that's exactly what happened. I came downstairs to find her listening to episode 20 with Corey Widmer, which I hilariously thought would be the finale. She pauses it, looks at me and says, this is going to sound crazy, but I think that God wants me to share my story in your suffering series and I think I'm supposed to be the finale. I can't really find the words to express how much that was a demonstration of God at work. And in November, with kids in the background, we sat down and recorded a story that she otherwise wouldn't have publicly shared. And I'm convinced that God is working on something beautiful. So this finale is important. Now, my wife, Becca, shares her story in a very accessible way, but if you've experienced something like what she's experienced, it could be triggering for you. But as she shared, this is something that she hasn't heard other people talking about, and yet is perhaps one of the most important conversations we can have in this season focused on sitting and suffering. You're listening to episode 164 of the Where Did You See God podcast. Father God, we just want to thank you that you are God and you are good. And we just thank you for your guidance in this conversation happening. And we're just aware of all the obstacles that could come about, including even the mic issues we've already had. So we pray against any of that. We pray against the spiritual warfare that could try to stop this. And we invite this spirit because we know the spirit can do all things, can do abundantly more than we could ask or imagine. So I want to lift up Becca that you would give wisdom and guidance that you would give a sense of freedom for the ways that you might invite her to share, that you would give her resistance in places you want her not to press in, but that in all this, we just pray that this would bring glory and honor to you, even if no one else hears it. We pray that you would be glorified, but also we acknowledge that you can do abundantly more. So we want to give it to you and thank you in advance for how you're going to work. In God's name, holy name, amen. So I know you. I've known you for a while, but other people might not know you. 
And so before we start talking, what would you want people to know about who you are as we start this conversation? Well, I'm your wife. (laughs) (laughs) I think that first and foremost, my identity is a daughter of the Lord. I'm a mom to three children. I am a teacher and I've lived in the city of Richmond for 14 years. And, and I've people, lived in Virginia all my life. Yeah. And if people have been listening, they have heard you because you've actually been on multiple episodes, particularly season two. Mm-hmm. But you also had your own episode talking about God inviting you to an unexpected move into unemployment. But this conversation is a little different because this is not a conversation you necessarily would have wanted to have. It's not one that you've had with many people, but you felt like God was inviting you to share it. Tell me a little bit about that prompting moment. So I was listening to, I think it was the episode with Ramesh, who is someone we both know, or maybe it was Corey's episode. It was Corey's episode. (laughs) And I had already like sort of had this thought that maybe I should share on this series on sinning and suffering, but I didn't really want to. (laughs) When I was just listening to his episode, I'm not really sure what it was, but I felt like maybe I really should particularly be your finale on this series. And when I shared that with you, you agreed (laughs) that you had had the same sensing when we decided to move forward. Yeah. As we've been praying about this, we haven't known exactly where the story would go or what the story should be because there's so much to the story. And so I think the easiest way is just to start with wherever God's putting on your heart now. Yeah. I had a very unique experience that has really shaped the last 16 years of my life. So when I was almost 21, I was a believer, but I was making a lot of decisions. I was in college, like many people that I knew were not glorifying God. I kind of you know, told myself I was hiding from God at that time. And there were just yeah, so many feelings going on inside of myself about that. There was one morning where I had been drinking heavily the night before and thought it was a good idea to wake up and smoke some pot for maybe the, I don't know, fifth time in my life. And I had a horrific experience where I thought I was in hell. There was like some kind of hallucinations going on, but essentially there was a rule in play that... My life was somehow also hell. I was only around friends. They ended up taking me to the hospital. I mean, I went home that night and just kind of chalked it up as a really bad day. (laughs) And a week and a half later, I had another episode while I was driving my car. This time I was visiting home, so I was close to my parents. I don't have a whole lot of memory, but ended up My car was up on a grassy area, and that was the first time I told my parents what had happened a week and a half before, and essentially that kind of like catapulted into taking an entire year off of college, and the story that I told everybody was that I had mono, which I did. I did get mono, (laughs) but I just kept having these recurring, these thoughts would come back to me that the life I was living was actually hell. It's really hard to describe A lot of times I don't remember a whole lot of it. Of course, like I was receiving counseling. I was on some 
crazy medications that thank goodness I'm no longer on and was able to go back to school and (laughs) met you and moved to Richmond and started a family. But every now and then I will have what I was calling episodes and what I now can really call more panic attacks where I'll wake up about an hour after I've fallen asleep from a dream and just the realness of there being some sort of rule that my life is hell. It's just, it's really hard to deny and my heart starts beating really fast and I have racing thoughts and I can't remember a whole lot of things about it. And, you know, you are usually the one to walk me through it. I think the bigger thing in all of this is that there are just some really big spiritual implications and life implications to having such real experiences over and over again where I have to have a lot of faith to believe that God's promises are true for me. And I think that it can be really isolating because though there are people I've shared this with and I've asked them to pray, I've never met another person that has gone through this particular experience. I've heard of people having like visions of hell or heaven, but nothing with this large of scope that has lasted for so long. There's a lot of ways that it's impacted my walk with the Lord and how I see life. And I will say in the more recent times where I've had these panic attacks, I mean, it used to be, I mean, it would just really knock me down for a period of time afterward. And I feel like now following these panic attacks, I'm able to rely on the Lord more and just, yeah, have a deeper dependence on him. Yeah, I think that sums up. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and it's a hard thing to try to sum up something that is, like you said, 16 years, but also is not just heavy, but people don't know what to think about hell. So, I mean, you talked about the isolation. And so I can imagine talking to doctors, if the doctor doesn't believe in a heaven or hell, if you tell them I had an experience of hell, they're just going to make some assumptions about what's really going on Mm -hmm. within you. Or if you talk to Christians, you know, majority of Christians would say they believe in hell, but they probably haven't really thought about it. Mm-hmm. And I know one of the hardest elements in all of this is how hard it has made it to understand what is real and what's not. Yeah. Because the lie that was told to you is, oh, this whole life that you've known, you were actually in hell the whole time. Mm-hmm. And this whole right. life that you're living now, it's not real. You're in hell. Right. I mean, I know that it is, but that has to be incredibly difficult day to day to not have a clear grounding on what is real and what's not. Right. Well, and even you saying that, you can't just really talk to people openly about it because that's, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right, like, oh, I don't have a clear grasp on reality. I mean, that's like, yeah, I mean, I can function, thank the Lord. But yeah, I think that because my understanding of reality has been challenged I mean, one, I'm very like aware of spiritual realms. Like I'm aware that life is more than what we can see. But I think that I just have to be really careful to, I mean, what I watch, what thoughts enter my head because I've had these experiences that just defy what I know to be true. Yeah. And I'm aware too of like, the impacts of like substances on my brain and like knowing that that was part of it as well. I'm not saying it was only Mm -hmm. spiritual things at play. Well, and that's what's interesting too is the first moment, substances likely opened a door for Mm -hmm, that. mm -hmm. But there have been many, many, many moments that 
substances weren't in play. Oh, sure. And like you said, trauma has come up a lot in conversations and the idea of triggers and how the smallest thing can trigger a response. And this was incredibly traumatic. Experiencing hell is probably the most most traumatic traumatic thing thing you can can experience. So now on a daily basis, you either have to be cognizantly aware of everything or not and then get blindsided. And that's part of where... I know God has invited me to be, there's plenty of times where a commercial will come on and I might be the first one to notice mm-hmm. <laughs> or turn the mute button on, mm-hmm. but it's a lot to carry. And particularly when you're isolated because people wouldn't understand, or mm-hmm. it seems like people would judge you. Now I want to hit on the flip side of that, because at the start of it, it was such an intense and unknown thing. It was hard to know how to navigate it. But since then, you've built relationships. Since then, you've been in spaces that talk about this idea of spiritual realms and spiritual warfare. And so tell me about some of those moments where God started to bring people into your life that you actually could be fully open about it. Yeah. Well, I'm really thankful for an amazing Christian counselor who's just walked with me through all of this for years. Yeah, I'm just really thankful for the way she can look at it through science and then also look at it through a spiritual lens. And, you know, our pastor was the person who recommended her mm-hmm. to me when I told him about this situation. And certainly, you know, he alongside of people in our church, I think the idea of experiencing something like this does not scare them off. You know, when I think about like one of my earliest experiences just being around a group of people where I could be vulnerable about this with and feel accepted and not feel like they don't believe me or understand was actually when I met you was at Urban Promise because we shared our testimonies. And of course, this was quite fresh. I mean, only a few years old at that point. And, you know, I think even though this experience is unique, I think that the mental health experiences that are linked to it, anxiety and depression are not. And somebody who is a dear friend now, I met that summer. And, you know, when I shared my story, she was sharing hers. And we just realized that there's a lot of similarities in some of the mental health struggles we've had. Yeah, I think that in my journey with the Lord more and more, I feel like the Lord has brought me to this place where I've been just more and more open to the ways that the Spirit works and understanding that. God is real and active in our world. And because God is God and not man, that means that there are supernatural things that, and they're, they're not always overtly supernatural. Sometimes it's just, oh, I think God is saying this. And we see that circumstances are working out. But yeah, like I think God is doing something here. But yeah, I think that more and more, I've been able to be more open with that. And then as I just am around environments that are, more open to those truths, just feeling like a freedom in that. Just kind of like what I've known to be true in my own experience. Yeah, not feeling alone in that. So, you know, when you shared that you wanted to share your story on the podcast, one of the reasons I was excited, outside of the fact that that was something God had planted in my mind that I thought was not going to happen, <laughs> is the reality that this is such an intense thing, experiencing hell. That I feel like there's something that people can gain from it, whatever their situation is, because what you're sharing about what it's like to navigate these experiences of hell for 16 years. Yeah, I feel like anything anybody's going through, there's value in that. 
But one particular piece is that somebody could do a broad sweep and say, well, then you just need to pray harder, or maybe you just aren't in a good relationship with God. And that was part of the lie, right, that the enemy was saying is that, well, God can't love you, or you're not really a Christian, or all these things. And one thing that I've always known about you is your spiritual disciplines have always put me to shame. (laughs) How much time you spend in the word, in prayer, in finding creative expressions. I've frequently seen how you seek God and thought, man, I need to get to Becca's level. Now, even when we met, there was one key moment in the origin story of our relationship where what you communicated to everyone was that you had a headache, but you were actually navigating some hard thoughts. And I remember God had put a prompting within me to go and check on you and specifically put a verse in my mind, which was the nothing can separate you from the love of God. And you just looked at me and held up a piece of paper or something, or it was marked in your Bible. My Bible, yeah. But it was right there because that was an important verse. And what's been hard is you've been trying to seek God. And there have been moments where it's like, God, I'm trying to seek you. (laughs) And it doesn't seem like anything's changing, or I don't know if this is working, or I don't know why I'm still experiencing this. But what you've talked about is you've, continue to persevere or God's equipped you to persevere. And I imagine there's a lot of people who feel like I've tried to seek God and things just get worse. Like, how would you encourage somebody in that space where you're doing everything you feel like you can to pray and read the Bible, but things are still hard? I think that from my experience, there are some beliefs that I have that I'm like realizing that are blockers. And I think everybody's experience is different as to why their relationship with God doesn't seem life-giving or joyful. I think for me, one of the big lies that's in all of this is like, I am incapable of receiving God's love, which is like the punishment. And I think that one of the things that I do to refute that is to remind myself of places where I've clearly experienced God. Because the word says that eternal life is knowing God. It is being in God's presence. And so therefore, if I've experienced God, if God has spoken to me, or even if it's not recently, then that means that I can't be in hell because hell is separation from God. And I think that sometimes I feel like I'm trapped in my own mind Mm -hmm. because I think that circumstances, when you look at my life and you think, you know, What does she have to be sad about? And I think one thing I'm realizing is there's some truth to that is that you do have to, you know, we're in the season of Thanksgiving right now. And just thinking a lot about how we do have a choice to choose what we think on to an extent. I know that it can be really hard to like discipline our minds, but I think realizing that I can tend to really focus more on like what needs to be fixed what's coming up instead of being in the present and instead trying to put my thoughts on like in what ways has God blessed me that I'm overlooking or taking for granted. And the other thing that encourages me is like the word tells us that it's only because of God's grace that we can seek him in the first place. And so the fact that we're continuing to seek him even when it's hard is actually a testament in and of itself of like, but you haven't given up. I mean, maybe you have and you've come back, you know, and that's okay too. But amidst all of this too, there's been a lot of downing and a lot of do I believe the right thing and all that. But I think 
I just keep coming back to the fact that like, I think I want to believe this. I want to believe that. Well, I know from experience that like I cannot be the person that I believe I was created to be on my own. I cannot, I fall short. And even when I try my hardest, I will fall short. There is something in me, in my heart that cannot meet that mark. And to believe that the God of our universe is the one that actually is going to do the hardest work of all for us that we can't do on our own. And that is given of his very self to do that. I want to believe that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I think just like looking back to see in all the twists and turns of my life that has still remained constant, that I'm still trying to seek after the Lord. I don't see that as a reflection of myself and my own merit. I see that as God's faithfulness. Yeah. I mean, it's really important too, because we often have this idea in our mind that the really big Christian things that happen come from really strong Christians, super Christians. And you know, people that have been listening to the podcast know some of our stories, you know, their story of miscarriage, story of getting an impossible house, story of going and living in Hawaii for three months, <laughs> quitting our jobs, like all these things that... People have heard and looked at us and said, oh, wow, like, I wish I could seek God like that. But what you're communicating is that it's God that's the one doing it. What we're doing is, to the best of our ability, trying to seek him and trying to listen for him and trying to take steps of obedience. But these hell experiences are sprinkled throughout all those stories, Mm -hmm. right? There have been years where it's happened multiple times. Mm -hmm. and. What I love is that that experience isn't a disqualifier or that even if you feel weak or you are doubting, it isn't a disqualifier because God still invited us into so many unexpected things. But (laughs) as you were talking, I don't know if I've ever thought this before, and this gets into some murky theology for some people, but I remember when I was younger in a Presbyterian church, we would say the Apostles' Creed and there was a part in it that would always confuse me. And sometimes I didn't even want to say it, but it talks about how Jesus was crucified, dead and buried, and he descended into hell. Mm -hmm. And then on the third day, he rose from the dead. Some take that he descended into hell out. Mm -hmm. But there's this moment for me where I remember praying at the front of the church about feeling like I was going through unjust suffering. And then God brought to mind the sharing and the sufferings of Christ first. And it was a moment that I realized I understood Christ in a way I never had before. I was able to connect in a way I never had before. And if that theologically is true, (laughs) that Jesus descended into hell, you have access to a connection point with Christ that most people don't. Mm -hmm. Like You have experienced what it's like to descend into hell And so you're able to share in the sufferings of Christ in a way that others can't. And you have an understanding of hell that others don't have, that others don't want to have. And so when you talk about hell or when you talk about God's love, when you talk about heaven, there is a depth to it that is so much further than the broad sweep that so many of your standard Christians can say. Yeah, I mean, I do think that the experience has... Brought me face to face with, there's like a saying that's like, we are more sinful than we dare to imagine, but we're more loved than we could ever imagine. Something like that. And I think that it has definitely brought me face to face with what I actually deserve and what our sin does. And then of course puts me in a place of like, I really hope then that that's not 
yeah, I really hope that I have a God who's going to save me from that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I agree. There's people disagree on the theology of that, but I find it very comforting that Jesus, well, he, it does say like, well, people even disagree about this experience, (laughs) like that he felt separated from God Mm -hmm. when he died. And yeah, I feel a lot of comfort in that. That though there might not be anybody else on this earth that knows that I think that Jesus does know and really way, way more than I've experienced. And I think too, just like another thing popped into my mind is like, when you say, I put you to shame with my spiritual, I just, or like that people look at us and they're like, oh, they're really following God. Like, I just think that like, I do not feel that way at all. Like I'm so aware of the ways in which I fall short or just I choose the world's way over the Lord's way. And I just say that because I think we all probably feel like that. I think there's always the people that we think, okay, they're really following the Lord. And I think there are. I think there are people that are farther along on their spiritual walk. But I also think that they probably have a lot of struggle Mm -hmm. in their past that brought them there. Mm -hmm. And God sanctifies all of us in different ways. And I think I'm probably quite stubborn. So in order for him to... Get, help me get to a place where I actually will enjoy the blessings that he has for me in his presence. There's just a lot that has to fall away. There's been this recurring theme throughout this series that I'd love to hear your thoughts on. And it's this reality that in our minds, we believe if God actually loves us and that he's with us, that he'd stop the suffering. And 16 years is a long time. Yeah. 16 years is a long time in general. 16 years is a long time when you've been trying to seek God. But one thing you've acknowledged is that you have had indicators that God loves you, that God is with you. And so how do you know and trust that God loves you and is with you when the suffering does not stop? I think that I've never really thought that it's a God issue that I'm Mm. suffering. I often think it's a me issue. Mm. So I'm not usually one to be like, where are you got like I'm more likely to yeah to just turn inward or or if I'm really believing the lie to say that he's not there at all and there's no use which that's in my (laughs) that's in the darkest but I never think that it's because of God really well then how do you know that God loves you in the midst if the normal indicator is that you're not having hardship I think just remembering the ways in which those experiences, they shout out at you. Those panic attacks, the urge, they shout at you. I mean, they just think about like, you know, why it takes five positives to rule out a negative. I mean, it literally is that. And mm-hmm. so it's so easy to fixate on those experiences. But quite honestly, there's so much less than all the ways that God has shown his grace in my life. And there have been experiences where I'm like, yes, I believe that I am experiencing God's presence right now. And I think trying to focus on that, I think often when, you know, fear is so strong and I'm not able to think rationally and I can feel my body start to respond, it's just like breathing, saying, you know, Jesus, like if nothing else, saying the Lord's Prayer or I have a prayer language. So speaking that, yeah, and I think when I start to feel fearful now, I start to hear like, I'm with you, I love you, and just believing that that's the Lord. Well, when you mention panic attacks and when you mention the five positives to outweigh a negative, I think what that emphasizes is the reality that 
we can think of a situation and think of a solution from the outside. But when it comes to things like that, when it comes to mental health, when it comes to just how humans work, sometimes it isn't as easy as just put in the cheat code or just do these steps. And sometimes it comes down to just staying at the table, even if the only way you're able to stay at the table is God's strength through you. <laughs> so you mentioned earlier that one of the isolating things is you don't really know anybody who has had an experience like this to this depth mm-hmm. and for this long. Mm-hmm. But I imagine there could be someone out there in the world who is experiencing it mm-hmm. right now is in the midst of it and also feels that isolated. So imagine there's somebody listening who is in that spot. They have been and continue to experience hell. They feel like nobody really understands what that is. If you could say something to them now, what would you want to say? I think that there's actually a lot of people who are probably experiencing elements that feel like separation from God, even if it's not (laughs) in the exact way I've experienced it. I mean, first, I just want to like talk to that person, you know, (laughs) Um, like what? (laughs) But I mean, really, I think the thing that comes to my mind is like, let's pray for each other because I think that I would know what to pray for you for Mm -hmm. and you would know what to pray for me for. Yeah, I just I think that there's such a bond there too. Mm -hmm. But I think there's a lot of things I could say that are advice givers, but I think it would more just be like, I'd love to walk with you through this. Like I'd love for both of us to walk because I'm not sure if I have advice or cheat (laughs) codes or any of that. I think that it would just be more of a a conversation of just listening Mm -hmm. and listening to their experience and yeah, trying to speak truth. Sometimes it's much easier when it's not you to speak truth into someone's Mm -hmm. life. And I'm really thankful for the ways that people have confidently spoke truth over my life and just given me confidence. I mean, there's never been a person who's like, yeah, Mm -hmm. I think you probably are in hell. Yeah. Like, no, not all one, Mm -hmm. which is encouraging, right? So, yeah. Yeah. We've got three more questions. Mm. Two of them were not ones that I planned because the one I just asked you is usually my close to the last one. But the first is a lot of times the way that we approach something like this, we are seeking God and praying. The goal is for the bad thing to stop happening. So the goal is that you would not experience hell anymore. And you and I prayed Mm -hmm. those prayers many, Mm -hmm. many, many, many times. Mm -hmm. And there's still been scary moments, right? Mm -hmm. So if the goal isn't for the hell experiences to stop, what do you think the goal is? Yeah. I mean, I think I've had this like realization of like, well, what if this just continues while I'm living here on earth? I mean, hopefully they will. (laughs) (laughs) The, The whole point is that they will stop. But how can I still seek to have a relationship with God in the midst of this? Yeah, how can my relationship with God be more important than eliminating? Because I, I think the hard thing about it is it's like, if this gets eliminated, then it takes away this fear. And so then my life would, hmm. then I would be more confident. But it's like, can I still try and build up that confidence even when this is mm-hmm. still going on? Yeah. It's almost like the converse of that would be, yeah, I could have confidence in God, except in this scenario. In this hard scenario... God's not enough or this is enough. So I can't have that happen. But if this is gone, then we're good. And one thing I appreciate about what you've shared is that you made it clear something that it could be hard for people to believe, but in the worst of situations, it's possible to keep on 
stepping forward. There's been plenty of times where your strength was sapped and you had no idea what was going on, but you can look back now and be like, well, even if it was by the grace of God, like I got through that. I navigated that. The other thing I wanted to ask is someone can come to that realization, but one place that they might stop short is sharing their journey with others, processing their journey with others. Now that you have shared, Mm -hmm. how would you encourage others who may be hesitant to open up? Yeah. I mean, I think the verse that like stuck in my head is like, we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. But I also think that we don't need to feel a pressure. I think one thing I've learned is that God is really patient with us. And just because we might not feel ready now, doesn't mean that won't happen. I think especially if it's like, okay, I think think maybe this is something that I'd like to do or should do, but like I just, I cannot right now. And I've had, gosh, so many moments in my faith journey of that feeling. Mm -hmm. And I think what I've learned is like, okay, well, maybe it's the Lord's job to work this out in me. Yeah. And I think like talk it over with people, I think doesn't need to be a just you type of thing. And I think there's just so many ways to share stories, right? It doesn't need to be over a podcast. Mm -hmm. It can just be with one person. And sometimes those moments come up where it just really feels more natural to share the story. We have this tendency as people to project out what God might do, especially if we navigate hard spaces in obedience to him. We think, if I just go through this hard thing, God is going to do something amazing. And I'll be honest, many of those thoughts went through my mind when Becca and I sat down to record. I thought, what if we just both start weeping because there's such a powerful move of the Spirit while we're recording? Or what if some big revelation comes about through the conversation? Or What if after recording, she's totally and utterly freed from experiencing hell? What I didn't expect is what actually happened. Perhaps just a few nights later, she experienced one of the most intense attacks that she had ever experienced. I won't go into details, but it was incredibly difficult for both of us. And I found myself processing this reality, that she had taken a step of obedience to share her story. And not only did the attacks continue, but it seemed to get worse. It wasn't the ending that I was looking for, but maybe it's the ending that we need for this series. Because as we've heard from story after story after story, where God often showed up most was not necessarily fixing things, but creating something new. Not necessarily doing what we'd hoped, but doing abundantly more than we could ask or imagine. And realistically, Becca shared that this may be something that she carries for the rest of her life. But I will say, that the intensity of that attack carried less power than I would have expected. That despite how intense the attack was, it did not overpower us like it could have. We both were convinced that God was present and active, even in the midst of a frightening experience. And while an attack of that intensity could have knocked her out for weeks or months, she's been able to stand and step forward through the power of the Spirit. Because the reality is, nothing is stronger than God and His love. This is how Romans 8 puts it, beginning in verse 35. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity, or are persecuted, 
or hungry, or destitute, or in danger, or threatened with death. As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is not only an incredibly fitting passage to close out this sitting and suffering series, but is an incredibly relevant passage for my wife and I. Because before I really understood what she was navigating with experiencing hell, one day I had a sense that something was wrong, and God brought this verse to my mind. We have heard story after story after story of hardships that could lead us to question God's love. Stories of loss and sickness, of addiction, of brokenness, even the story of Christ experiencing a suffering that we will never be able to comprehend. And yet none of that can separate us from God's love. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. For years, my wife has had to face the lies of hell that she is separated from God, that God doesn't love her, that she is unworthy of his love. Over and over and over, those lies were thrust on her so utterly that it can be hard to know what is true and what is not. And yet, there was never a single moment when she was actually separated from God's love. If even hell, the most profound expression of suffering, can't separate us from God's love, you right now are not separated from God's love. No matter what suffering you are experiencing, no matter what hardship is bringing you down, God's love is not going anywhere. You are loved. And so the end of this series isn't about giving answers about how to navigate suffering, but it is simply this, to say that God loves you and that nothing can separate you from that love. And so instead of sharing more of my thoughts, I want to read that passage again, and I want you to close your eyes and really take it in, because in your hardest moments, this truth may be precisely what you need. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity, or are persecuted, or hungry, or destitute, or in danger, or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake, we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation 
will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. As you think about your hardship, go ahead and place it in the midst of Paul's list. Does it mean he no longer loves you if this thing is happening? No. Despite that thing, overwhelming victory is yours through Christ who loves you. God is love. God loves you and nothing can separate you from that love. So whatever hardship you are about to face, choose to trust that love and that you are loved. Look at your situation through that lens and then ask yourself, where did you see God? Have you ever wanted to read Revelation but haven't known where to start? Or have you been afraid to read Revelation because of all the ways you've seen it misused? Or maybe you haven't even wanted to touch Revelation, but feel like maybe you should since it's part of the Bible? Well, if you're in any of these positions or any other ones, I've got a resource for you. It's called A Journey Through Revelation for the Person Who Doesn't Want to Read Revelation. And here's the thing. The hope for this resource is that it makes the exploration of who God is and what Revelation can mean for you accessible, whatever you believe. And this will not be your normal Revelation study. It's not going to dive into the historic representations of the imagery or expertly decipher the prophecies. The goal of this is not to tell you what Revelation means. It's to explore what it can mean for you. Now, this thing is available for you right now in a few forms. One, you could go to www.wheredidyouseegod.com revelation, and you can find a PDF for free, which you can read on your phone, on your device, or print out. But if you like something that's a little nicer looking, it is also available through Amazon on Kindle and in paperback form. And I prefer paperback, whether you print it or you get the one on Amazon, because this gives you a place to write some things out because you're going to want a place to write things out. Because I really do believe that God wants to speak to you through Revelation, whatever you feel about Revelation, whatever your experience, and whatever you think about God. So if you're interested, get it for free. Get it for a very, very, very low price. This is not about making money, but about us together exploring how we can see God in the midst of such a difficult and controversial book. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the Where Did You See God podcast. And I would love for your stories to be a part of it as well. So there are a number of ways that you can do that. You can check out our Facebook page at Where Did You See God podcast. You can go to anchor.fm slash where did you see God, or you can leave a brief voice message at 804-372-3836. I would love to hear your stories. And if the stories you've heard have encouraged you, uh, think of someone else who could be encouraged as well and share it with them. The music you've been listening to is You'll Walk, You'll Run by Urban Doxology. They are a solid group and you will love listening to the rest of the music. So check them out. And as always, as you go through your day, ask yourself, where did you see God?